0: Welcome to Egg Annex Talks, a podcast brought to you by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. Join the teams behind Top Crop Manager, Potatoes in Canada, Fruit and Vegetable, Manure Manager, and Canadian Poultry Magazines for compelling conversations with some of the most important voices in Canadian agriculture. Special thanks to our podcast sponsor, MNP, a leading national accounting, tax, and business consulting firm for Canada's agriculture industry. MMP has invested more time and resources into understanding agriculture than any other firm. With more than 18,000 agriculture clients and a team of over 600 agriculture specialists, MMP's team brings a range of expertise to all aspects of agricultural business, from primary producers through to food and beverage processors. To help you navigate through these times of uncertainty, MMP has created a COVID-19 Business Advice Center. To learn more, visit mnp.ca slash en slash COVID-19.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Stephanie Gordon, editor of Fruit and Vegetable magazine, and today I'm here with Bob
2: Tosh, family enterprise advisor with MMP.
1: And today we're going to be talking about succession planning in agriculture. Before we begin, Bob, tell us a little about yourself and your background in this area.
2: So the first thing that most listeners will pick up on is my accent, which is from the UK. I originate from a farm in Ireland, although my accent is actually English. And as a child, I spent time after leaving school working on farms, actually as a dairy herdsman. And then I progressed through ag college, I did a diploma, I did an apprenticeship, and then I did my ag degree. And eventually, I ended up in farm consulting. And in 2008, I came to Canada to work with MMP as a farm consultant, but moved more into the farm succession work as I became more interested in that. And then I did my family enterprise advisor designation, which focuses entirely on family-owned businesses and intergenerational transition. And so I did that uh, designation in, in 2014.
1: And what is it about succession planning that interests you?
2: It's extremely rewarding work. It's extremely frustrating work. I think I like the interaction. I think I like the ability to help families navigate through what is a very, very complex transaction. It requires a level of patience. I think it requires a level of empathy. I'm not sure that it's necessarily something that is is simply you have a qualification for or not. I I think there's there's a certain amount of character that is required. Uh, I think the the term competence is not enough. Character is essential in in order to do this work. And so it's enjoyable, intriguing, and in the end very rewarding.
1: And you talked about how it's not just about having the competence to do this, especially because when you think about succession planning, it is families and it is businesses and it is legacy. Uh, But succession planning is not unique to agriculture. Uh, It happens in every business. But what does seem to be unique is that only so little operations out there have a formal succession plan. In 2016, the Statistics Canada's Census of Agriculture revealed that only one in 12 operations have a formal plan. What kind of factors play into this lack of formal succession plans? There's not
2: one answer to that. So there's obviously a combination of factors and all families are are unique, but there are certain things that are, are common themes. So I I would say tradition is a huge, has a huge part to play in people thinking, well, we're just going to do what my parents did, and so we don't need to do anything formal. We'll just, we'll just transition by the will. Families are, are often very fearful of conflict, so they, they avoid or accommodate, and, they, and, and by avoiding them, then they don't engage in this work there's often this desire to wait until they find the right answer. And of course, we know that's probably not going to be possible. They struggle immensely with the fair versus equal question. And then they're really, really faced with this barrage of noise out there where the professional world from all angles, from the accountants, the banks, the wealth advisors, everyone is talking about get a succession plan, but nobody's really clearly defining what that is. And so, so that becomes confusing and then it becomes daunting and farmers are busy people. So it's easier to turn in and focus on work than it is focus on addressing
1: that issue you mentioned that there's a lot of talk about succession succession planning and there's a lot of information so you are actually one of these people who work in succession planning but we actually never established what is a succession plan so if you can in in a sentence or two what what is a succession plan
2: there's a list of things that need to be done but it you know so So we have to worry about the transition of ownership. We have to worry about the transition of management. We have to worry about tax. We have to worry about retirement income and where that's coming from. We have to deal with estate planning and how does that fit into the future success of the business. So it's really all of those things. It's a difficult thing to actually say exactly what it is other than it's a process for planning the transition of the business.
1: It's all about the transition of the business. You know, everyone knows they need a succession plan. They hear it from everywhere, but people still delay in starting this process. What do you think are some misconceptions that people have out there about succession planning?
2: I think the biggest thing is the idea that there's this magical document that they're going to create quickly and cheaply that has within its pages all of the answers. And I think that what people really need to accept is that the idea of having a succession plan is probably incorrect. And if the world would stop asking, do you have a succession plan, and instead ask, have you started your succession planning i think that might allow mindsets to be able to come to grips with something that they're going to begin that might not have an ending that might not be able to you know put in a drawer somewhere that that might be a little more uh ambiguous you know There's a few famous generals out there who've who've said no plan survives contact with the enemy. But what we know is that having a plan is really just giving you a sense of direction. It says, okay, we're going through the planning process. Here's the direction we want to take. And we now have permission to start moving in that direction. But we know that as soon as we start moving in that direction, things will happen that we can't predict and things will happen that we have no control over. And so really the purpose of planning is is really to say, okay, we're engaged in a process that is ongoing, doesn't have an end, and that we need to be able to adjust. And by accepting that, instead of the idea that I have a written document that I can put in a drawer and when I pull it out, it's going to say everything I need, I think that's an important piece of the puzzle, allowing people to become more comfortable with engaging in the process.
1: So it's a process. And instead of asking, do you have a succession plan? We can be more helpful when we ask, have you started succession uh, planning? But, you know, even before you get to that planning stage, for some anyway, there's a lot of pressure to plan right and to write a plan that works for everyone. And, you know, you said no plan survives contact with the enemy and plans are always in progress. But for those that are hesitant to even start planning because they worry about doing it right, what, what do you say to that? What would you advise?
2: I honestly think that the, the, the concept of having it right is a tough one because you're dealing with emotions, you're dealing with individuals, different personalities, people with different wants, needs, and expectations. So how are you ever going to know what is right? The idea of having a document that is right, that it might be right for some but might be completely wrong for others. And so letting go of this concept of right and wrong or letting go of this concept of I've got this and allowing people to say, look, this is a process that is full of paradoxes. Process that's full of dichotomy. There's no right or wrong answer. There's a path that we want to thread our way through. And can we thread our way through that path? And so I think focusing on the process is important and understanding what your sense of success looks like. And I think that's important for families to kind of come to terms with is that when a a farmer or, or someone engages in a process of succession planning, they perhaps need to let go of having a fixed outcome. What am I really trying to achieve here? What is my definition of success? So is it necessarily that my farm transitions to my oldest child, or is it that I've reached a level of consensus and that I've allowed all of my family members the opportunity to prosper. These are concepts that are are kind of difficult because, to be fair on, on the families out there, they've been fed this kind of concept of the plan, the right plan. This is the thing to do. And then, typically, it's been focused on tax or it's been focused on uh, retirement income, or it's been focused on uh, investments. So it's understanding that this is ambiguous work. There isn't right or wrong. There's a path you choose, and if you can achieve consensus, and then if, if you can allow all family members to prosper, is that not the definition of success?
1: Well said. And parts of what you mentioned here remind me of a conversation that I had earlier. I also spoke with Doug Johnson, who is a fifth generation dairy and grain farmer, and we spoke about his experience with succession planning. I'm Doug
3: Johnson, based in Listville, Ontario, North Perth, co owner of Mapleview Farms, which is a dairy and grain farm. Fifth generation, we're 127th year in the same family. Co owner with my brother, and between us, we have seven kids, and five of them are extremely interested in agriculture.
1: Sorry, you co-own it with your brother and you have five kids that are interested in taking over?
3: We have seven kids between us and we have five kids that are interested in in being in the agriculture industry. They're all in their teens right now.
1: That makes a good segue for my next question, which is what does succession planning mean for you?
3: Succession planning means looking after the older owners and bringing in the younger generation and letting them run the situation while the heirs still comfortably enjoy settling into retirement but still being involved you Be like my dad i want i want to go to town in one way in a box <laughs> you, <laughs> you
1: understand what that means i assume yeah you you put it bluntly and i think some others can <laughs> definitely relate to that you mentioned how it has been in your family for for five generations so that means that yep. not only do you have succession planning to look forward to you have succession planning as part of your past what has your yep. past experiences been like for succession planning Mom was a school teacher and uh, worked very closely with dad, but she was a school teacher
3: and having family meetings and looking how to bring the next generation was one of her priorities.
1: And you said <laughs> that she was a leader in having those family discussions. When it yep. comes to succession planning, do you feel like there's a start and an end to the process, or is it just there's, something that there is, there is no end? There never is an end. Because of mom's past of making us think about it more often, we are open to talk about it. And we already have a pretty good succession plan gone with our accountant and lawyer, and you have to have them involved. Every four to five years, we sit down, have a meeting with everybody, and say, here's where we are, and how do we get to to where we want to be. And we found the hardest one was the what I'm going to call the middle one, where the kids aren't quite old enough to take over, but we still got to make provisions in, in case both of us were killed in a car accident tomorrow. And And that's pretty heavy to think about when it comes to these discussions do you have any strategies for how to deal with difficult discussions
3: talk about it you're gonna hurt somebody's emotions probably but you gotta take emotions out of it you gotta talk point blank and say if i was not here tomorrow how's it gonna how's the operation gonna look My, my dad dropped over dead
1: And, and don't hide your emotions. That's, that's really good advice. Do you have any other advice for the entire succession planning process? What does it mean to you personally that you are on your fifth generation and, and going to move on to that sixth one? We're going to make me, am sure the sixth ones are, are
3: going to work hard and look after it, not walk away, sell the farm and retire on everything that we've done.
1: Now, this question is more so about your next generation. We hear that sometimes it's easier for the next generation to talk about succession planning because they have more to gain, and the current generation they kind of see it as that they're giving away something. What do you have to say about that dynamic? And is there anything that you personally say to your children about succession planning where they still have that option if they weren't interested in the farm to step back? When, Any tips on we, that? We started with a lot of debt, but we came from from dad being in a fair bit of debt to where we are today, where we're comfortable. I'm not saying we don't
3: have debt, but it's a different... We lived through the 22% interest. Now, we were teenagers at that time, and we did not quite understand it. But we understand where Dad, Mom, and Dad came from, and we've taken the operation and grown a lot with it. I do have three off-farm siblings that have been looked after by Mom and Dad. not always fair, but uh, we still get together for Christmas and Easter, and that was one of Mom's priorities. The siblings still get along. We've had to bite our tongue a few times, but uh, yes, we're worth more, but we'll never see it because we're not going to sell the farm. I'm 53, almost 54. I could sell the farm tomorrow and i never work another day in my life. Am I going to do that? No. Every day you get up and you have the kids work with you. It's a good day. You have to understand
1: that. So to that point, there are things that are, are larger than wills and, and cutting it up yep. equally and things yep. like that.
3: Yep. The other thing is, is we were a little bit later in life to get married and it makes a difference.
1: Uh, what we do you mean by life. that?
3: An old friend of mine <laughs> come up to me. I was just about 40 when I had my, my uh, youngest child he come up to me and says, he did say congratulations or anything. I remember it was about a week or two after I had a, a boy, and he comes up and he says, Doug, how old are you? I says, I'm almost 40. He says, well, that's a hell of a good time to have a kid. And I'm going, holy crap, that's not, you know, I'm thinking I'm too old. He says, well, when I had my kids, I was 20. So when they were 20 and wanted to take over the farm, I was 40 and I was in my prime. When they're 20, you're 60, you're going to want to give up the farm. And as I'm turning 53 and 50, you know, almost 54 now, it's true. And there's more more to life than than money
1: Mm -hmm. is there anything else that you want to add about this topic And it's about your earlier point about having the the tough, but open and honest conversations. Yep. So yep. at the end, you know, you're in a better place. Well, that's so timely because uh, we literally just did another episode on, on labor and agriculture and how difficult it was to find good help. And here you are just blessed with people like I, coming I'm back. filling
3: out surveys right now about temporary workers and how it affects my farm. And I'm going, I'm sorry, I'm the opposite. We actually have too much help right now. And we're actually offering some of the kids to help some of the neighbors. Cause we, are, we got a corn in already.
1: Yeah, well, kids. that's great. I've, I've never had corn, all the corn in
3: in April. We just told the kids, you want to be on a tractor tomorrow? Get your, get your work done today. And they do. We don't pay the kids by the hour. We just give them so much, whatever we think they're worth at the end of the month. If they want to work by the hour, go to town.
1: And and that's just something that you tell them up front, and, and it's kind of like we, a... We try, we try to be fair, but if
3: the farm's going through financial difficulties this month, you're not going to get as much. We will give you more when we can.
1: Uh, but it's interesting how you, you ask them to, to seek off-farm experiences to go to town.
3: Well, mom and dad were very adamant that we should work off the farm before we came home my older brothers worked off the farm and never came back my older sister worked off the farm never come back the problem was when I graduated dad was done and he said we either had to take over or he was selling it so we didn't have a choice to work off the farm one of my grudges that I have I, I'd love to go west to drive a combine and the harvest out west I still want to do it someday and I will do it yeah
1: well uh I'll leave your contact information and maybe someone might someone might take you up on that offer so who so knows. I I'm going to ask because I <laughs> So and And then the other thing we do is,
3: uh, well, we're friends with Maggie Van Camp and Elaine Froze through Maggie Van Camp. And, you know, they just talking to them and, you know what, you might meet them at the farm show and go have a beer together. Something stupid like that, but you talk about stuff and you learn stuff from them too.
1: And and we do a fair bit of reading on, on stuff like this too. On it's succession planning? Problem. Some of the magazines pick up succession planning, and I'm not saying they're always right, but you
3: pick up little hits here and there about stuff so you can do a little different and you know, that's what I do is I read magazines at night or through the day, you know, you just read a couple of articles and you're going, Huh, maybe onto that, maybe that's something we should try. Like we're trying to have monthly or bi weekly meetings here on the farm of what to do this week. Or what what should we be aiming for and, and I think setting goals is very important. My
1: I- mom started that and I think we've tried to continue on. And it's about taking what you read and, and picking what applies to your specific situation, yep. right? Just yep. because you, Just because you do it that way doesn't mean your way is right. You just pick it and you go, on, no, I don't like that idea. Eh, maybe they're onto something. Or, or you take a little part of it and you develop it into your own plan and, and make it work on your own situation. Have you found it helpful to talk with other operations about their succession planning, or is it difficult to talk about something that's so specific people, and personal? Some people will open up about it and some people won't and I think the ones that
3: open up are, are actually ones that are, are probably going to make it better in the long run so talking with certain people you know, the problem is you got to talk
1: So, I mean, thank you for sharing that. I feel like it's going to relate to a lot of other people, and it's it's not the first time I've heard a story like that, so I think that's, it's important to get these stories out. You don't know what's going to hit you,
3: at what time, cancer, anything, you you don't know, car accident, like, your life could change in a blink of an eye, and you better be ready. I feel better now than I did four years ago, I just
1: And speaking on uh, playing hockey, do you know what your life looks like when you retire or, or start to you know take a step back? <laughs> Funny. My 15-year-old boy was riding with me, and I'm going, by the way, this this,
3: plan, this is my last planner I'm going to learn, so I'm planting five to seven more crops, and the, your ass better be in the seat, not mine. Because I, I might drive the planner but I'm just going to drive it. I'm not figuring it out. You're going to tell me what to do. I want to help. I want to drive the combine, but I want to do it on my terms, and I want somebody else to make the day-to-day management decisions. More the management decisions that, that are mentally draining than it is I'd love to
1: Definitely, well said, and and it's been it's been a really good conversation. I feel like I've I've learned a lot, and and your brother was right. You do kind of get to the point, but I feel like a lot of people will appreciate that, especially on a topic that that's, can be you know like this. I look forward to sharing our story. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying I'm wrong, but I make it big. Yeah, you've mentioned the statement fair versus equal. Can you explain it a little bit more? And do you have a story to share that would explain it further?
2: Okay, so it's one of my biggest bugbears. I hear the term fair versus equal used by other professionals as a a means to, as I put it, abdicate responsibility. And so the term is typically used as fair and equal aren't the same thing, so we can pretty well do what we want. And the problem with that is that most families do like to think that they want to preserve relationships, that they want to be able to continue to see their children communicate with each other. And, and so simply saying, you know what, fair and equal aren't the same things, so one child is going to get more than the other child and we're not going to have a conversation about it, might seem like a reasonable solution. But, but the outcome is invariably conflict and dysfunction. And so we need to let go of that concept of, of worrying about fair versus equal and focus instead on, let's offer a fair process. So let's move away from focusing on outcomes,
0: because we know
2: if we try and have a fair outcome, we might have five different answers that everyone thinks is fair. So instead of focusing on an outcome, what we really need to do is focus on the process. Did I have the opportunity to have a voice? Was I able to express myself? Do I understand why the decisions have been made even though they might not be the decisions that I I prefer? Was I part of this process? Was I engaged in this process? Am I content that whilst I might not necessarily like the outcome, I had the opportunity to be involved? And I think that's a more important part of this and some families get scared of that because it's there's this issue of entitlement and why should my non-farming siblings have any say in this would would be a very typical comment and i think it's allowing people to understand that there's intergenerational differences there's perception differences there's were we all given the, the same opportunity all of those things in family dynamics, the biggest piece of this is can we communicate? Can we understand where each other is coming from? Can we not be positional in moving through this process? So, again, it's not easy just to say to someone, your oldest sibling is inheriting X value of wealth and you aren't, and that's okay because fair and equal aren't the same thing. I think that's too blunt and a a way of dealing with what is a a very complex problem.
1: So it's not about fair versus equal, it's about fair processes. Does everyone have a voice? Does everyone have an understanding of where certain decisions are coming from? And on that point, for some families, succession discussions are smooth and they are straightforward. uh, While for others, they can be very frustrating and tense. So what tips do you have for us and for families to be better communicators during these discussions?
2: There's always this desire for a magic answer, and, and clearly families, all families are different. And so you have this huge spectrum of, of families from those that are in complete harmony to those that are in complete conflict. And there there's a challenge there if we try and say here's the magic answer to fix the communication issues, Uh, I think we're probably deluding ourselves. So we've got to start from a place where we attempt to create a safe environment where people are allowed to have a difference of opinion that doesn't become personalized, where they can express that opinion without fear of attack or reprisal and feel comfortable that they will be heard. But this isn't like, it's not a light switch. You know, 99% of succession planning is communication. And we're in an industry that probably isn't uh, noted for high levels of communication. And some of that's there. We, we, we're isolated. We tend to work alone a lot. We tend to, you know, ha- have influences from our predecessors that, that also weren't great communicators. We tend to rely on mind reading and we're very clearly conflict avoiders. And as a result, we we just don't have the practice. So the idea that all of a sudden someone's saying to you, well, we're just going to sit around the table and everyone's going to hear everybody and we're going to use tools like talking sticks or beanbags. It's great. And, And it's a start. But if you remember what I said back at the beginning, that planning and engaging in the process is far more important than the result. And so the way you're going to improve your communication is by practicing communicating. And one of the ways is the introduction of formality into the system. Because we have two kind of systems trying to operate together, one is the family system, where you're allowed to shout at each other or, you know, swear at each other or even perhaps throw the odd punch, whereas in the business system, that's absolutely not allowed. So business partners aren't allowed to swear at each other, they're not allowed to shout at each other, and they sure as heck aren't allowed to punch each other. So trying to introduce the level of formality that you see in the business system into the family system can help. I don't want anyone to leave here thinking, well, that's just a case of imposing some, a set of rules and all of a sudden that's going to happen. It probably isn't because these people have grown up with mum and dad and siblings and they've talked to each other and they've learned how to talk to each other and communicate with each other under that set of rules. And so the, the the family dynamic and the family communication style it isn't always going to be easy to change and so that introduction of formality is going to take some time.
1: And you know this isn't for every family, some families do have an easy easygoing process where succession planning is not as much of a struggle, but do you have a a memorable situation where you could have helped a family and you know, they started off one way, and by the end of the process, you saw uh, growth in their ability to communicate, or just growth in general. Any any memorable situations from your experience?
2: Yeah, so you know, I I, I work with a lot of farm families, and so um, and each one is unique, but there are similarities. But but every dynamic is is unique. Uh, a good example uh, was two sons and two daughters and the oldest son classically was coming back to the farm but mum and dad were very focused on making sure that all of their children had opportunity but they really they got stuck a little bit and they didn't know quite how to structure the transition of ownership they weren't really able to transition management they tended to focus on the two boys but but as we progressed through and we did some values and we looked at uh, what we were trying to achieve, actually their middle daughter stepped up and said, no, oh, I, I really want to be part of this. And so we created a situation that, that allowed her to become part of the business and to engage and have the same opportunity as her brothers and for her older brother to be completely comfortable in that scenario you know we are faced in in agriculture still with primogeniture being the predominant method for transition which is oldest male child and to be fair those those male children tend a little bit to be expecting that to happen so when you open up the communication and you go through a values exercise and you improve the levels of communication you also then allow people to feel more comfortable. And, and when people understand, and in this case, the understanding of, okay, how am I going to gain ownership? Okay, what, how are we going to transition our roles and responsibilities? Okay, how am I going to be compensated? When we can open up that information so that people become a little more relaxed, then they tend to be a little bit more open to alternatives. And so, in this case, allowing his sister to join the business and become part of the business was was what I call a, a successful outcome.
1: Let's talk about this next generation. For some or for a lot of next generation farmers, they can get very frustrated when they spend five, six, a decade even on the farm and nothing has been planned or put into an agreement what are some tips you have for the next generation for them to get the succession planning process started?
2: Yeah. So the next generation might just be as bad at communication as their predecessors. So the first piece of the puzzle is open up the lines of communication and start having conversations. But the the biggest challenge is this, this idea that mum and dad should retire or, or stop or, and, Sometimes you kind of see the the next generation perhaps start pushing a little too hard. And so my recommendation for those guys is, you know what, acknowledge the successes. Acknowledge the, the efforts that your parents have undertaken. Acknowledge that you are being offered an opportunity. You're being offered an opportunity to use their assets. You're being offered an opportunity for them to invest in you. that that will allow them to enjoy a retirement. So make sure that you are respectful and make sure that you perhaps don't push just too hard. That doesn't mean to say don't address it. It doesn't mean to say just leave it and it will be okay because as we've seen, typically, if we leave it and we don't push at all, the outgoing generation will tend to avoid it as well. So it's a kind of balance there. You've got to remember that men, uh, typically men more than women, and and I appreciate that there's a little bit of a a gender bias there, but older men, they don't feel like they're done, and they don't necessarily feel like they, they just want to stop, especially in the farming world. Farming is their identity. For a lot of farmers, it is who they are. So so expecting them simply to walk away from who they are is going to be a very tough road to hope. So really, remember the, the concepts of, of older men need a heroic mission and heroic status. So if we can allow them to continue to have a purpose and continue to be acknowledged and have a status, then that's important. So for the next generation, Try not to make it look like we're trying to put our parents out to pasture and make sure they understand that their their role is vital in this and that they need to be able to feel that they're going to be respected and that their needs are going to be met. And kind of take it from that position as you enter into the, the conversation. So you can't rely on a promise. I think that's, you know, the one day all of this will be yours. That's not fair. But be careful and start the conversation before you become frustrated. Because obviously, if you become frustrated, then you, you know, there'll be a trigger point and you might blow. And then you've lost the opportunity for a a more gentle approach into this process.
1: And one of the things that you mentioned was to empathize with the current or older generation. So let's talk about the other side of this. What are some tips you have for the current generation for navigating succession planning?
2: Don't be fearful of seeking help. You know, think about using professional help. So, you know, who are your trusted advisors? And that includes maybe your accountant or your wealth manager, but also perhaps you have close family friends who've gone through this and had their own experiences. But don't try and do this alone. Because honestly, nobody's given you the Succession Planning 101 um, course. And, And nobody really would expect you to know how to do this. So there is a lot of help out there. Go and seek it and don't be embarrassed by that. Think a little bit about the responsibility. You, for a lot of farms, they have, they've been successful in, in weird ways. And there is a book out there that, we, that, that it's called Strangers in Paradise. And I, I apologize, I can't remember the author. But really what it's saying is that some of these families have become wealthy by accident. And they haven't necessarily, they focused on working and, and being good at what they do. And for a lot of farmers, that's 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 working hard and, and focusing on operations. And then they look up and all of a sudden, on paper at least, they have a significant amount of wealth. And, that, and nobody's taught them how to deal with that wealth. And so understanding that there's a little bit of responsibility there that allows you to, to say, ah, you know what, it's okay if I use outside help for this. It's okay if I invest some money in this. It's okay if I invest some time in this. This is, a lot of farms struggle with what we call quality qualitative services. They have no budget for it. Uh, you know, farmers are people who kind of weigh things or kick things or hold things. You know, they, they're very much about, the, you know, the ability to see it and feel it and touch it. And succession planning doesn't offer them any of that. And yet they might spend significant dollars going through a process. And it's accepting that that's actually okay. It's a valid investment because you are transitioning wealth and there are responsibilities with that. So it's okay to to not try and get this done as cheaply as possible and as quickly as possible. There's a little bit more at stake than that. If families can understand that and allow themselves room to breathe, accept that they're making an investment, Except that they're not expected to know it all and have all of the right answers. If they can do all of those things, then I think they've got a better chance of navigating through a process which will ultimately be rewarding, but undoubtedly have some challenges along the way.
1: You know, there is a saying that goes, you never want to be the smartest person in the room. And I think for succession planning, it's okay to say, this is not my wheelhouse, this is not my area of expertise and to seek help from people like yourself or other people in their lives who have that uh, experience working with the topic. And just to your earlier point, the book that you were talking about, Strangers in Paradise, how families adapt to wealth across generations is written by James Grubman. So hopefully that is the right book. But I do want to talk about, you know, that is assuming that you have wealth to transfer. But in tough years, like we're seeing in agriculture recently, succession planning falls back on the list of priorities. Uh, It's hard to plan when you don't know where your own business is going to be in one year, three year, let alone in the next 10 years. So what are your thoughts on this?
2: we're dealing with a very strange set of events now but um the reality is especially those who've been in agriculture they they deal with that on an annual basis possibly even on a daily basis they they work in a world of uncertainty they 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 know that there's no outcomes that can be guaranteed they also know that no matter what the farm will transfer it will transfer either because it passes by a will or it will transfer because it's sold. And so they understand that there's a certain amount of weathering economic storms, but ultimately this problem won't go away because they've got another set of issues. So I think it's important for, for families to acknowledge that if their desire is still to transition the business, The fact that they might be going through some uncertainty is just part and parcel of what they are, who they are, and what they do. And there's a certain amount of acceptance of that. And so perhaps don't avoid dealing with an issue just because you've got another more clearly presenting problem in front of you.
1: So, my last question is what's one thing someone can do today about this topic to be better?
2: So I heard a saying actually um, recently, and it it struck a chord with me. The world is a better place when old men plant trees under whose shade they will not sit. And it really is think about doing good for a future that you might not be part of. And so I think the one thing that, that people can do out there is Accept that by engaging in a succession planning process, they are building a future for the next generation. And it's important. And remember that really the only thing you leave in this world is a legacy. And it would be nice to think that you've left a good legacy rather than a bad legacy. I think most people prefer that thought. So do something for the next generation. And I think that would be the number one thing
1: nicely said uh, just to do something for others today and look at it differently that's very good advice I'd like to just wrap this up by saying thank you for taking the time to speak with me you made some very great points and I do want to thank you for for taking the time
2: I appreciate you asking questions this is a extremely complex subject and very difficult to deal with in reasonably short space of time. But if we can at least have stimulated some thought, then I think we've done some good.
1: Definitely. And there are tons of resources online and we'll be
0: sure to link some of them in the show notes. Uh, But thanks again.
2: I appreciate your time. Thank you.
0: Special thanks to our podcast sponsor MNP, a leading national accounting, tax and business consulting firm for Canada's agriculture industry. MMP has invested more time and resources into understanding agriculture than any other firm. With more than 18,000 agriculture clients and a team of over 600 agriculture specialists, MMP's team brings a range of expertise to all aspects of agricultural business, from primary producers through to food and beverage processors. To help you navigate through these times of uncertainty, MMP has created a COVID-19 Business Advice Center. To learn more, visit mnp.ca en slash COVID-19. Thanks for tuning in to Egg Annex Talks, the podcast hosted by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. You can subscribe to Egg Annex Talks wherever you listen to podcasts or visit eggannex.com to catch up on all of our other episodes.